In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The basis for our thoughts this morning are based on the Old Testament lesson from Genesis 4. Not too long ago, scholars spoke of the story of salvation in the Bible, or came to speak of the story of salvation in the Bible, as salvation history. In part, this phrase meant that God carried out his work of salvation in history through a historical people and through historical events. This purportedly distinguished Christianity from so-called nature religions that too closely identified God with nature. We call that pantheism. Yet the distinction between history and nature is pushed too far when they are placed in opposition to one another. Where God's work in history does not take place apart from his creation. Our creatureliness, our bodies, our connection to the earth bind us to God's work in history. Conversely, God's curse and blessing, judgment and restoration all take place within and through creation. What Norman Wurzbach calls the drama of the soil. In reading the story of Cain and Abel, I was struck by the parallels, the repeated patterns of sin and curse that we saw a chapter earlier with Adam and Eve. I was also struck by how the differences seem to highlight the intensification and hardening of human sin as human history unfolds. And it all happened by way of the soil, the land, the earth. Consider the following. God created Adam, that means you and me, from the arable, farmable soil. Adam from the Adama, humans from the humus. God blessed the earth so that your fruits of the earth nourished and sustained Adam and Eve, you and me, and provided the place or the home where they lived with God and with each other. When they sinned, God cursed the ground. Now the soil from which God had formed them and fed them resisted their efforts to receive its fruitfulness. Now the soil from which they were made wore them down until they returned to the soil. The sin and the curse on the earth resulted in estrangement from God, from each other, and from the ground that bound us to him. Even as God's blessing upon the ground had bound us to God, to each other, and to place. The soil that had been the instrument of their being and life now becomes the instrument of their death and of ours as well. Well, a chapter later now, we find the story played out all over again. Cain and Abel live from the land. Cain lives by farming and receiving the fruits of the soil. Abel lives by shepherding sheep. Both bring an offering to God, an offering of thanksgiving that expresses their dependence upon God and gratefulness to God. Cain brings produce from his farm, but apparently not the best. Abel brings the firstlings of his flock, the ones with lots of fat. Uh, you know the story. God has regard for Abel's sacrifice, not for Cain's. Cain gets mad. God questions him and gives him an opportunity to repent, unlike the serpent that had questioned Eve in order to tempt her. But Cain's anger gets the best of him, and he murders his brother. God curses Cain. Now, in the previous chapter, God had cursed the ground. Here, God declares that Cain himself is cursed, to be sure, he is cursed from the ground which has swallowed his brother's blood and from which his brother's blood now cries out. 
the effect of the curse is the same, though perhaps intensified. Note the twofold nature of God's judgment on Cain. First, the ground will no longer yield its strength to Cain when he works it. Cain is a farmer, but the, farmer will not, the farm will not respond to his efforts. The land from which he lived will no longer support him. Second, Cain is exiled from the soil as the place where he lives and has his home. In becoming separated from place, he becomes separated from God and from family. So he becomes a fugitive, a wanderer. Cain exclaims, this is more than he can bear. But God still looks out for him. He gave Adam and Eve clothes to hide their shame. Here he gives Cain a sign that both reminds him of his sin and protects him from being killed by others. The drama of the curse and relief from the curse that takes place through the soil continues. A couple of chapters later, Lamech names Noah in chapter 5, verse 28, and says, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. In chapter 8, Noah clearly emerges as something of a second Adam, a renewer of creation. In chapter 8, Noah offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving that God now finds soothing and pleasing. God declares, quote, I will never again curse the ground because of man. Neither will I strike again down every living creature as I have done while the earth remains. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God does not lift the curse of Genesis 3, but he will not add to it again the way he did with the flood. Instead, it is left to the second Adam, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, to lift the curse on the ground against sin that resulted in our death and return to the ground for every child and descendant of Adam. That means you and me. Though a descendant of Adam, the earth-formed man, Jesus did not participate in Adam's sin or guilt, nor our sin or guilt. He did not live beneath the curse. He was not bound to die and return to the ground from which his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather had come. He was not estranged from the soil, from place, from family, and most importantly, from God. Yet he voluntarily placed himself beneath that curse and bore its weight for you and for me. He, did not, he died beneath that curse, a curse that then separated him from his heavenly father and his earthly family. And so Jesus returned to the soil, to the ground, to the bowels of the earth, as every descendant from David had done, from every, every descendant from Adam had done before him. But unlike every other descendant of Adam, he did not remain there. As God had raised the first Adam from the ground in the first creation, God now raised the second Adam from the ground and ushered in a glorious new second creation. It is here that you and I now live. We are the children of Adam, rightful and guilty heirs of the curse. But by the waters of baptism, waters in by the waters of creation in baptism, waters into which we were buried and from which we were raised, we have become brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ and thus joined heirs of eternal life. 
And now, the fruits of creation, wheat and bread, grapes and wine, are united with the resurrected body and blood of Jesus Christ. Together, they bring us forgiveness, relief from the curse. Together, they nourish and restore us. Together, they reconcile us and bring us home to God. Together, they gather us around a common table and unite us as one body. Together, they bring us into the new creation by the resurrection. Wow. You know, I love this time of year. The fall season brings with the cool temperatures and splashes of color. They all delight the senses. It's a good time to go for an extended walk or sit on a bench and attend to the activity around us. As you do so, look around and marvel that it is here, here on this earth, here on this soil, that the drama of salvation has played out. Look at the ground and marvel how we were formed from the soil to be living creatures in the image of God. As you watch the leaves fall to the ground, consider how we as the children of Adam are worn down into the ground on account of the curse. Above all, give thanks that as brothers and sisters of Christ, we will be raised from that same ground to a new life, even as Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, lives and reigns through all eternity. There is no history of salvation apart from creation. Perhaps we might speak of God's work as the salvation history of creation. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.